So now we've got, um, we've got Paul here uh, today. It's a real treat to be able to see him in person. And he's going to be speaking to us. We're in a series looking at the book of James. Uh, we've got our past talks, as always, are on our, our website under the podcast or iTunes or you can find them on YouTube, Facebook, pretty much anywhere nowadays, e- eBay, not quite. But, um, but, uh, so, so we're really looking forward to uh, Paul uh, bringing to us now um, from, the, from the book of James. And uh, so as, as he does that, Holy Spirit, again, just thank you that you're here amongst us. Thank you that you're revealing Jesus to us. And we pray you continue to do that um, through the Bible as we feed on, on God's word. Amen. Paul, over to you. Good morning, Hope. Having been an avid watcher of uh, Hope on Sunday mornings over the last year, it's actually really good fun to come and be on this side of the microphone, um, especially to see Challenge Charlie live. I, I think one of these weeks, Chris, we need to set up an extra kind of camera on the side just so that we can kind of record Challenge Charlie live and let everyone see what it looks like because it's, it's got such a, a different but really fun feel uh, being in the building. We're looking at uh, James chapter 2 today. If you've got a Bible with you, if you can turn to James, and we'll uh, head there fairly shortly. James chapter 2, it's one of those passages, you, you know scripture has, um, has a lot of kind of really beautiful passages that just make us contemplate, you know, Psalm 23 and things like that. Well, James 2 is not one of those, um, nor is it one of those that... that you kind of spend all your time pondering over each little word. It's kind of fairly straightforward on the face of it. And yet, it's actually quite an easy passage to just switch off to and, and just think, well, that, that's kind of irrelevant to me. You know, what he's talking about doesn't exactly apply. So today, I want you to encourage, to encourage you to just put any preconceived ideas you might have to one side because we're just going to try and dig just that little bit deeper into James and hopefully find out that it's got an awful lot to say to all of us today in our situations, whatever those situations are. So reading from James uh, chapter 2, and it's the first 13 verses. I'm reading from the New International Version, and it says this. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ... Don't show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as being lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, 
you've become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now you'll see there is a PowerPoint behind me, which I'm completely in the way of quite a bit of the time. Uh, I think Chris has said that's uh, something which will be made available um, that you can um, connect with as well. So if there's some bits that you can't see because the text is too small or I'm slightly in the way, apologies, um, but it is something you'll be able to follow up um, with later. And this passage that we're looking at, yes, it's talking about a scenario about the rich and uh, the poor, but what it's really about is prejudice, it's about discrimination, it's about inequality and how that impacts on people who are following the life of Jesus. And I want us today to just learn about living free from prejudice and and what that means in our lives. So I've basically got two main points to say today. So first point is this from verses 1 to 7. Live a transformed life of equality, not one of prejudice and discrimination. Live a transformed life of equality, not one of prejudice and discrimination. And that's from verses 1 to 7. And secondly... Remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. So live free. Remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. So live free. That's verses 8 through to 13. Now before we dive into that, first, uh, just a few thoughts on the way that James writes. Because you'll have noticed, if like me, you've been listening into to some of these uh, sermon talks, that James has a, a style of writing that is all of his own. And James is pretty blunt in the way that he writes and pretty hard-hitting. Can we have the next one, please? So James, in his style of writing, what what does he do? Well, he he doesn't pull any punches. He goes straight in there. You'll remember in chapter 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. He says elsewhere, um, if if we have a look in this uh, chapter here in verse 4, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You know, he, he, he just goes straight for the juggler. And, and in that, he sometimes intends to shock. So in chapter 4, we see a place, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, he says, You adulterous people. Remember, these are Christians he's talking to here. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? And that's just his style, to get in there, to shock, to make us sit upright. And why is he doing that? Well, he's doing that because he wants to challenge our preconceptions and get us to take some action, to get us to make some real change. Because sometimes we just get so used to our situations that we're living in, our ways of doing things, that we don't see where sometimes we drift from the centre of the life of Jesus and just begin to absorb other ideas and other thoughts that just knock us off course. And sometimes by being given a a, a short, sharp shock, it brings us back online. And that's what James is trying to do with us today. And we'll see through some of these verses how he's doing that. So with that in mind, let's launch in and and see what this is talking about. So into the first section, verses 1 to 7, live a transformed life of equality, not one of prejudice or discrimination. Of course, that raises the question, well, look, was the the church really 
discriminatory? Was it really prejudiced? Was it showing favoritism and this sort of thing all the time? And how did that fit in with the world's view then, with the society and everything around? So before we dive into the verses, I just want to think about um, the culture at the time. And when we look into the culture, I've done a bit of research around this. I've got a few quotes just to read you. As I say, they'll be up there behind me, but probably way too small to read. So have a listen to this one um, first. This is about the Roman Empire and injustice in the Roman Empire. The social and economic policy of the Roman Empire could well be summarised in a phrase, the Roman system of inequality. Governing the entire Mediterranean world, Rome maintained its domination through judicial institutions, developing legislation concerning property ownership and labour control, and through the brutal use sorry, through the use of brutal force. The whole system was based heavily on the inequality of people, which was thought to be either natural or at least inevitable, in order to secure peace and stability in society. So what that's saying about the Roman Empire is that whole system was designed on inequality for the purpose of maintaining peace and stability. That's, that was their worldview across the whole Roman Empire, which is where these Christians that James, uh, who, that James is writing to are living, within that pervading society that inequality was part of day-to-day life, but not only part of day-to-day life, it was actually seen by those that ruled to be a a good thing for society. Here's another quote for you. This is referring to poor people now. In the first, in first AD, uh, first century AD, to respect a poor person was very hard for them. If you're poor, you're a joke on each and every occasion. What a laugh if your cloak is dirty or torn, if your toga appears a little bit soiled, if your shoe has a crack in the leather, or several patches betray frequent mending. Poverty's greatest curse, much worse than actually being poor, is that it makes man objects of mirth, ridiculed, grumble, embarrassed. Sons of freeborn men give way to a rich man's slave. See, this idea of being rich and poor in that society was not just about monetary wealth, It wasn't even just about standing in society. If you were poor, you were a joke. You were to be laughed at. You were to be ridiculed. You were to be scorned. It was about your identity. It was about who you were as a person. It was about your value as a person. Reading on, that Christianity should follow a poor man and and his poor disciples was a real challenge to society. And yet, Christianity spread among the rich and the poor alike. When Paul commands to place uh, the poor brother in a position where he can make judgments between wealthy brothers who are disagreeing with each other, he was really asking a lot. But he never balks, he always goes for it and fearlessly, without any embarrassment, lays down the implications of Christ and demands our response. See, the Christian community within this world of inequality was actually radically different. It was a world of equality. It was a world where rich and poor didn't have those um, stark differences between them. It's completely countercultural. It's completely different. It was a Jesus way of living in a society that had very different values and very different ideas. And so when James comes in James chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My brothers, as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ... 
What he's doing there is reminding them that they're not following the pattern of the world. They're they're doing things in a different way. In fact, if you just flip back to the end of chapter 1, we've just been talking about keeping oneself from being polluted by the world because this pollution of the world, when it comes to equality and prejudice, in their situation very much was one of seeing the world should be a world of inequality. But no, the Jesus way is the way of equality, of respect, of no prejudice or discrimination. So then James goes on to talk in the next um, few verses, and and there's a real in-your-face kind of caricature of a kind of rich man coming in and, uh, and a poor man being told, you know, to sit over on the floor and all that kind of thing. And with what I've said to you about the, the culture within the church at the time, I think actually it's unlikely that James is addressing a specific situation here, especially because his letter is to the Christians across all of the churches. I think rather he's just trying to shock them into seeing what happens if we adopt the ideas outside in society. I mean, just to put it in today's situation, you know, just imagine this, uh, you know, one day when all of this mask wearing and lockdown and everything is finished and, and we're coming back into hope. It's a Sunday morning. There's that incredible banquet laid out for us um, as, as we come in for breakfast. And uh, on that morning, you wouldn't believe it, but actually Lewis Hamilton isn't busy racing a car. He decides to rock up at Hope that morning. So, of course, Chris and Alice just drop everything they're doing, roll out the red carpet. Um, instead of, you know, giving them a, a, a plate of breakfast, get one of those big platters that we've got, fill it with a whole load of stuff. In fact, even take stuff off other people's plates um, and bring Lewis in, you know, sitting down, pride of place, actually set up like a little photo booth so people can take selfies and stuff with him, you know, all on Sunday morning and, and just like they're waiting on his, his every need and whim. And then, and then someone rocks up a few minutes later, you know, who's just slightly shabbily dressed, maybe doesn't look too washed. Actually, they've sort of ushered away from the breakfast because, you know, with all the stuff that's been given to, you know, Lewis Hamilton and his, his group there, you, there's not really enough for the commoner uh, and they just get to sit in the corner. I mean, look, that's ridiculous. That, that, that's just such an insane situation that would never, ever happen in our situation here. And yet it does draw on some of the ideals from our culture around about how important celebrities might be or sportsmen or um, people who are influencers in society, YouTube stars, people who have some kind of say into our lives. And so the reason this caricature is so obscene and so ridiculous is there for us just to wake up and say, right, where are our prejudices? Because maybe we're not going to fall into a trap of having such an overt prejudice as that. But maybe we're going to be influenced by the things that we hear um, and respond to people in ways that we shouldn't. We've seen it in America with Republicans and Democrats and, and, and how inflamed that has become. Do we see it maybe here in our situation now with coronavirus, with some of the agitations about who gets vaccines? Or do we see it now, you know, if you walk out uh, along the street and you see three people walking together, is your first thought, oh good, they're out having an exercising, or is your first thought, are they really part of the same household? Are they socially distancing? You know, these things can get into us things from outside and we just need to get our minds back to thinking we don't want to be people who judge others we want to be people who live the way of Jesus 
We want to live in a transformational way. A Jesus-centered way. So what's that look like? Well, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says this. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. That's talking about the world's ideologies, the thinking, the way that culture knocks us off-center from what Jesus wants us to be thinking. No, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, renewing it on Jesus and his ways and his life. And what does that look like practically when it comes to equality? Well, Galatians 3 verse 28 says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's no rich, no poor. There's no difference between us. We are all one. We are to treat each other along those lines. And as a church community here, I think there's a real understanding of this, but we still need to challenge ourselves further. It was fantastic hearing uh, Marvin and Kirsten um, back in the, the summer just talking through some of the things to do with racism, the Black Lives Matter, and, uh, and that was just fantastic. That was really helpful for us as a church community, but we need to keep this conversation going to keep seeing where we're pulled off centre. So on to verses 8 to 13. Remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free, so live free. Remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free, so live free. I'm just going to read verses 8 to 11 again. So James says this, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted um, by the law as lawbreakers. So he's saying there, okay, love your neighbour as yourself. That's, that's the kind of standards, that's the target. But actually, if you show favouritism, you sin. This is James coming in with one of those things that you can either take this and, and it can make you feel really bad in yourself. It's like, oh no, I've missed the mark, I feel rubbish. Or you can see that what James is encouraging us to do is to shoot for the highest level that we can. And yet, look, we're going to fail. We're human, we're fallible. But each time we come to Jesus and seek to follow his way and seek to home in on the standards that he sets there. So it's a simple, logical point that is just said to wake us up. And And it's there for us to understand that we're not meant to have the same sort of double standards that can be in society. You know, if, if, if I go out and we're, we're able to talk to a lot of people, get some sort of poll about, okay, what's kind of stuff that's okay and, like, what's not okay? Uh, James lists three things here. Showing favoritism, committing adultery, murdering people. So if I was to say to people, okay, you know, just line these up. What, what's, like, okay? What's bad? What's, like, really bad? You know, what we're going to find is that murder will be, like, all the way over this side. It'll be, like, all the way over the one side. I'm not going to find anyone that is going to say that murder is okay. Committing adultery, well, most people are going to say, look, that, that's not okay. But, you know, these days we're just a little bit freer in our understanding and whatever. It's not going to be right over with a murder. And then if we come across, actually, quite a few people will just say, well, look, there's nothing wrong with showing favoritism. But James comes and says, look, they're all the same. They're all misaligned with the way of Jesus. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, who are going to follow the path of Jesus, we, as his disciples, as his apprentices, 
have made that choice and that decision to follow his way. And so for anyone who is making that choice and decision to follow Jesus, then then anything that deviates from his way is something that personally we need to pull ourselves back from. And I think that's what this is really saying to us. This is a personal application for us to sit and ponder and think, okay, how am I deviating from what Jesus wants me to do and how can I pull myself back? Because the way of Jesus, James presents here, is the way that is a way of freedom. And how do we deal with this in, in verses 12 and 13? Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that condemns? No, by the law that gives freedom. Because true freedom is not found in doing whatever I like, but true freedom is found in partnership with Jesus Christ by his spirit and living his way and for him. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful Mercy triumphs over judgment. And as I come into land, this is really about having that abundant free life that Jesus wants us to have. Because although a little bit of favouritism or discrimination or uh, prejudice, we might think, well, look, it's just my opinions. It's not going to hurt anyone. Actually, the person it hurts is us. Because these things gradually deviate us and take us away from Jesus. But what he wants for us is a life. A life to the full. A life of freedom. And, and, and what is this living free all about? Well, it means seeing myself as I really am. And what does God say about me? He says, I'm his masterpiece. It's about me seeing other people as God really sees them. And what does God say about that? Well, God says... Everyone has infinite value, that everyone is fully loved. And it's about taking hold of these strongholds that are going to pull me away from that and under the authority and the power of God, putting those where they need to be and dealing with those things in myself or in a way that is really loving and kind with people that we trust to actually deal with those things together so that we can home in together. Now, as a church here, Chris has already mentioned um, Living Free Course, which and Living Free is something that, that we, we, we love as a church and has been transformational in many lives, my, my own included. And one of the interesting things I found with the background of Living Free, come into this passage in James, is seeing that James actually talks about the exact same thing here. So through these five verses, you can clearly see that this is about firstly recognising where I've stepped away from that line of the life of Jesus. And we all have that tendency. We're all going to be influenced by the things around us. So we've got to keep coming back to this to recognise. The second thing, when we've recognised where we've actually just stepped away from, from how we should be thinking, then we need to make a change. We repent. We come to God. God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm going to change and repent of that. And then God pours out his forgiveness. And it's up to us to receive that uh, forgiveness. But then, you know, these things are going to keep on coming. They're going to keep on coming. And so we need to rebuke that tendency in us to move away to our own things. Uh, again, and rebuke any strongholds in our lives that we struggle with uh, day by day and replace them with walking in the opposite spirit, with walking in the opposite direction, with walking the Jesus way. A way where mercy triumphs over judgment, a way where we live life to the full, a way that we get to live free 
from prejudice and anything else that seeks to pull us down and turn us away from God. God bless. Thank you. Great, Paul. Thanks so much. That was really inspiring, wasn't it? Thinking about the, thinking about the church in that setting, you know, in the midst of a, a society that we know, the Roman world, that we know it was so prejudiced. We see that in films and, and what we know about history. And, uh, and that speaks back into our own setting where maybe we're, maybe we're less sort of aware uh, because it's so normal to us, the subtleties of our own prejudice. And uh, as Paul mentioned, you know, we, a particular application for this would be in the racial justice that we've been pursuing, particularly since it was highlighted last summer. And um, I bet there are all sorts of stories amongst, amongst us about people acting on that and, and, and in small steps or maybe even some bigger projects, bigger steps, moving towards um, establishing a greater racial equality. It's been good hearing some of those stories. A lot of them you can't really share because they're too personal and too private and it's exposing or inappropriate to share them. But um, it's, it's great. I know that there are these many things happening where we as a church are being aligned into these people that are free from prejudice, stepping out of that influence that the world has on us and, and coming under and aligning ourselves, as Paul was saying, with the teaching and the way of Jesus. So as always, I think when, with, a, with a talk like this on a Sunday, um, I find there are two things. Sometimes there are these kind of wow moments and we see, okay, that really spoke to me. I've got a, I've got a very clear takeaway that I, need, I can go and act on this week um, or in the coming days. Other times, and I think this is probably more the case quite often for me, is that, is that listening to a talk like this, there isn't, I, I absorb loads of, of good stuff, you know, it's like, having a, it's like having a good meal, and it's subtle the ways in which will it, it will um, play out, I might ponder, it, it shapes my thinking over the kind of, uh, over time, and I'll come back to it and think about it, I'll, I'll think of Paul, and I'll remind, remember some of these images, like of, of the sort of Roman uh, world that he has behind him, and it, and it steers us. This is, this is what it is to be church, is to be people sitting under the way of Jesus and, um, and, and moving in, in, in his life. So sh- why don't we pray now, just to, uh, to kind of respond to what Paul's, um, Paul's brought. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray and I'm going to articulate um, a sort of an, an agreement with um, what the Bible says and what, and what Paul's taught. And, um, and you, can, you can agree and say amen as well, if that's, if that's where you're at. So Heavenly Father, thank you for, for what Paul brings. Uh, what he's brought this morning. And we recognise and we see around us that actually, yeah, we're in this world um, which has um, systems and structures that are unjust and are prejudiced. And yet we live by a different set of values. We live uh, following a different master and we align ourselves to you, Jesus. And we say that again. We, we, We walk and we want to walk in your way. But we recognise as well that there's um, that the complexity, the challenge of walking in that world is that we pick up and we carry uh, also some of that prejudice that is that is there, and we just confess that to you as sin. I recognise some some prejudice, some racial prejudice in myself last week, and I just confess that to you, Lord, as sin. And we also, Lord, bring to you at this point things that we're not aware of, and we ask you to to bring them to light. So, us Holy Spirit, we invite you to reveal our sin and our brokenness to us. And we can do that confidently because we know that you're so good and you're so kind and that you bring these things to light so that we could be freed from them. So Jesus, we put our confidence now in you, in your death and your resurrection. You overcame 
in that death and resurrection all of our brokenness and instead uh, you've realigned us with hope and life and joy and peace and we, so we come under that and we ask for your, for your opportunities to, to bring equality, to bring justice in the, in the world, in our daily lives in the, small, in the small things, small interactions and in bigger projects and in bigger opportunities that we have as well so we bring this all to you and we say, grow that in us. Yes, we, we listen. We say yes to your message this morning. Amen. Great. So we're going to finish our live stream there. In just a minute, I'm going to post the link to our, um, our Zoom time. And so do join us for that, whether you're first time at Hope uh, or, 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 or you know, you're, you're an old timer here. We'd love you to join us in the Zoom. It's a great chance to, pre- to um, process and chat through some of what Paul has brought. Um, and to pray for each other and just, and just have some time together. So we'll do that. Uh, it'll start in a few minutes, around about quarter to 12, and uh, everyone will come together, and then we'll go into breakout rooms, maybe three or four screens in a room. And so that'll be a, a good time to be together. All right.